Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Welcome to Growing Up Fire. You know what? I'm here in Nova Scotia and all of the people who listen to this know that this is one of my uh, favorite places on planet Earth. And some of you I've texted and phone called and went back and forth with. Some of you I actually got to meet last time I was out in Brooklyn. But for the rest of you, I met you two hours ago. And so here we are a couple beers deep and now we're 10 feet tall and bulletproof and we're going to do a podcast. So there's a bunch of people right now going, oh, this one's going to be awesome because you're drinking beer. So no pressure, but usually those are the best ones. So I'm just going to have you guys go around. We'll kind of talk about how long you've been in the fire service, where you're on the fire service, and I guess start with your name. Kevin Bushy, Great Village Fire Brigade, and I've been with the fire service going on three years now. I got to say it again. Who is from Great Village? Is there a great town and a great city too, or is it just a great village? It's really just great. the village people. It's really all, great. all the best people are from Great Village. Yeah. 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 I, that, that's going to be in my book as still one of the greatest names for a town ever. So yeah. that's awesome. All right, next. Nigel Leggett from Valley Camp Town Fire Brigade, just outside of Truro. Been in the fire service for 40 years. 40 years. Oh. Yeah. Nice. And we're, and we're sitting in here fire hall, which, by the way, beautiful fire hall, beautiful trucks. Well done. 40 years, though. Yeah. Wow. We're going to talk some more about that, for sure. Yeah. So I'm Barry Jenkins. I'm also with Great Village, and uh, I've been in the fire service 10, 11 years now, and I'm a captain for them. Nice. Yeah. Jeremy Smith, the Bass River Fire, been in the fire service for 17 years or so. Most of that at Great Village. Just made a, a switch there in the last year or so. Went from Keep you guys happy. Great You did some crafty work there with names of your towns. Nice, yeah, nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. 400 years of history. Yeah. 400 years of history around the world. European history, right? Yeah. I'm from a little town, got about a dozen years in. All right, next. Brent Fisher, I'm with Brookfield Fire Emergency Services. I'm going into my 14th year in the fire service. I've been a captain for the last couple of years, also a recruitment officer and uh, lands and buildings coordinator. Nice. And one of the greatest firefighter mustaches of all time. <laughs> Thank you. So check it out Check it out on our socials because Kirsten's taking a picture, so uh, she'll pound it up on our socials there. Opinions vary, obviously, at this table, but uh, we'll, we'll circle back to that as well. Next. Jeff Barry, I'm with Valley Kemptown. Nigel's my chief. I'm a captain here in approximately 14 years. 14 years. Working for a 40-year chief. Well, 40-year firefighter. Yeah, yeah. 21, 22. We'll see how many beers we have before we circle back to that one. Yeah, but the key, the key to that, though, is a progressive chief. There you go. Yeah, well, I'm sitting in the fire hall, so I can see that all around me for sure. All right, next. Peter Delawell. I'm with DeBert Fire Brigade. Just over four years. Currently a lieutenant there and training coordinator. Nice. 
four years and you're a lieutenant and a training coordinator already. So is that just like you took all the training and then they're like, hey, you know what you'd be good at? All that training you just took. That is possibly age-related too, starting at age 47. You've got a different perspective in life. So oh, that's fair. That's bring fair. In some, There's a couple of you that are uh, rocking a couple decades before you got into this, so that's oh, yeah. good. For me, I just want to say thanks for having me. Thanks for doing the podcast. I know it's hard. I won't even tell people what time at night it is, but thanks for sneaking this in. You probably all still have to go to work tomorrow and other things. But So we're here. We're doing a conference tomorrow and Saturday, and we're going to talk about all kinds of things. But for me, it's always every time I get a chance to talk about growing up fire, right? And it doesn't matter if you started in your 50s or your 40s or if you started when you're 18 years old or however old you were allowed to start when you started. It's always a journey, right? And for me, that's the thing that I always love to talk about is that journey. And it's different for each one of us, right? My kids started when they were born. Other kids started a little later in life. Some people don't start till way late. And so I want to talk, let's jump right into that a little bit because I think that everyone can bring a pretty cool perspective to this at the table. You know, when you start and you're a kid, you got that kid mentality. You're probably still out partying a bit and you're trying to find a wife and you're trying to start a family and you're trying to do all those things. When you start later on in life, right, or you get later on in life while you're on the fire service, obviously everything changed. And we talk like a lot about recruitment and how we lose people along the way. So you start, you're a kid, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden you have other commitments. Your job starts to improve, you have kids, you get married, you do all these other things, and it's harder and harder to fit in the fire service. Out here in Nova Scotia, I don't see as much of that. Like, there's a lot of 40, 50, 60 year people on the job still out here. And I think that you could say volunteerism is alive and well here in Nova Scotia, different than some other places where there's a lot of pressure. So let's, we're just gonna go around the table. So, you know, you start, you're in your 50s. You've had a full life, you've done all kinds of things, and you decide to start on the fire department in your 50s. Walk us through that a little bit. Well, my journey actually started with a house fire, and I'll never forget the night that our house got on fire and we got everybody out safely, first and foremost. And then Great Village Fire Brigade showed up at the house. And most people were sitting there and they were, I mean, obviously you're concerned because your house is on fire and burning to the ground or whatever, but I just remember just the whole correlation of everybody arriving on scene, the tankers, the trucks, running hose, the chaos. Like it was, it was pretty chaotic looking from an outsider standpoint, but I looked at it and like, I was like, I want to do that. Like, and I don't know why that thought hit me. And it's like, everybody says, well, you want to get back to your community? Absolutely. But I thought it was one of the coolest things that I'd ever seen. Them getting up in their SCBAs and gearing up and then going in and running a hose and and going in to fight the fire. I thought that was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. So for me, it was just kind of like I talked to Heather the next day and I was like, I think I want to join the fire service. And it took a lot of not even really convincing, but just I think I had to convince myself just because of my age. I joined the fire service in my early 50s. So for me, it was just like, can I do this? Like, you know, I'm at the end of one career coming off the road and now I'm going to start another career, which I know nothing about. My cousin, Tommy, is a, he's been a a 30 year firefighter in Caister in Ontario, in Caister Center. And that's the only ability or something that I ever saw that somebody that I knew that was part of the fire service. So anyway, it just became something that I, I became very obsessed with very, very quickly And I ended up going and talking to, I think I sent a messenger message to Ange. And then I went down and and I was accepted. And then the training started. And I was scared, man. Like I was was like, 
I'm old, I'm out of shape, like, you know, I'm, I'm picturing calendar firefighters, right? And it's, it was like, uh, <laughs> nothing <laughs> like that, right? Take a look around this table. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we can't be in the yeah. calendar? Well, we can, but a lot of sales for them. Yeah. 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 Even if you go to HRM, it's good job is only 12 months in the calendar. You couldn't fill too. So we put your mind at ease, though, the first training weekend. Well, it was. And it was. And, and the thing about our brigade was that they welcomed me with open arms. They didn't know me from Adam. No idea what I did for a living. They had nothing. All I knew, uh, they knew is where I lived and who I lived with. The point being is they accepted me. I started to go through the training and there was a lot of panic moments when I started to don the SCBA and getting into gear and, and going through all of that. But Jeremy and, and Barrett, who are our training officers, it was the comfort level that they, they walked me through and they gradually allowed me to take my time and, and get my comfort level. And then it just became an addiction for me. And then within the first three years, I went and got my level one. Jeff Berry was our, one of our training officers with that, with the CFFA. And that was probably the greatest experience that I, I went through. Barrett and Jeremy kind of getting us ready for what we could experience with, with the level one, getting me to a comfort level, and then going through all the different modules within the level one. And then it just kind of took off from there and it became such a massive addiction for me that they've welcomed me into the CFFA family now and, and uh, I couldn't be more excited. And like, I train and I love training and I feel that I just can't get enough of the training. So it's been, it's been a great journey for me, that, personally. That's awesome. So, so let's flip to the other side of the table. So same sort of thing, 47 years old, you're joining up, you're a four-year guy now and you're part of this training group and you're trying to get this all going. What kind of pressures did you feel? Was it similar to that or? I just moved back to Nova Scotia in 2018, and this is how I joined, right? I met uh, at some social event in DeBert. Somebody said, you should join the fire brigade. Okay. So something born every minute. Thank like, goodness for the fire service. Here's, <laughs> here's a way to get to know some people and all that. And, Do I got a new suit for then, you? <laughs> and then it took a while to get the hang of it, and then, again, it's, they needed a treasurer. The treasurer disappeared, whatever. So oh, I can I can do that. I'm I can count. Engineer hey, by day, I can count. do treasury stuff, which I did for three years, and so that gets you involved in the executive things and all that in the brigade, and <clears throat> try to understand how it all works. And my level one training was split over two years due to COVID restrictions. Started in 2020, ended in 21. COVID? What's this COVID? I never heard of COVID. Before. Never heard of that. No, <laughs> just like made a mess of everything for. Oh, yeah. Jeff here to or, I don't know you, you weren't organizing that yes, I did during part COVID. of it. I've lost my train of thought. What? That never <laughs> happened. Firefighters uh, must be the water. <laughs> our group, I felt with with my background and experience in the world, I could help out with the training group in Tibet because just help organize things, and then I get more involved in the the CFFA level stuff because I want to understand. The bigger picture, the umbrella on top of it all. Yeah. That's because you're an engineer. You I think that, so. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, again, it's similar to Kevin. is that It's an, kind of an obsession, and it's a 10 or 20-hour-a-week hobby, which is all-consuming after the yeah. day job. And Tanya, my wife, thinks, yeah, of course you're doing that. Yeah, that's yeah. where you belong. Great. That's good. And you do need that support, right? Well, I think we could all say that if you don't get that down. support at home, yeah. it's going to be trouble. She's, she's 100% behind, which makes that way easier. And so here we are organizing a training symposium. Right. Yeah, and we are going <laughs> to talk more about that because uh, that's the whole point, right? Along the way, you meet people like a lot of the people. Well, Great Village is next door neighbor to us, and 
Is it hard being like less than a great village? Yeah, we're just a divert. <laughs> we have an airport. Divert yeah. <laughs> oh, International yeah. Airport. Yeah. yeah, we have an airport and a former military base and all that, and a defense bunker. In Debird, so I'll be getting all this hate mail on my social there's media. Some <laughs> there's a lot of history, but the more more I get involved, the more I get to know my fellow Barrett is in the same position. Barrett and Jeremy both where they are as I am. So we're just talking a lot and planning things. Perfect. Everything gets better and better all the time. Now we're gonna go from we're starting in our forties and fifties to we've been doing this for forty years. Right. Let's. I always love to hear this perspective because I mean the changes you have seen in the fire service in forty years yeah. would take days to pretty, tell. But. Oh, it would. It's pretty exponential. I guess from my own when this when the Valley Camp Town Fire Brigade was first formed in '76, my father was a charter member. But being a community organization, the fire hall was built by the locals, and that fourth picture up behind you there. I mean that picture when they built the first walls of the fire hall, which is actually that wall right there. Okay. Our history is actually on our floor here. Yeah, it's right here. It's right on the floor. If you actually look at the floor, you can see the progress, but yeah. I was, a, I am still, I don't do much now, but I, I was a pretty heavily into scuba diving for a lot of years. And the chief of the day, one Sunday night called the house on the party line and Truer was having a hazmat demonstration that night. He said, well, you're a scuba diver. And they didn't even have BA here at that point in time. He said, you should come in and see this performance. So you do as you're told, because the elders in the community told you to do these things. So off we went, and that was 1981. And outside of a year and a half, I've been here ever since. Because we moved, not for commercial, but my parents moved to town, and I never joined Toro. <laughs> but my kid, my, I built my first house back out here, joined back up again. And if you look at the pictures on the walls, we used to ride on the tailboards of trucks to calls out the highway at 70 miles an hour in a snowstorm. Was the greatest. Yeah, yeah we, had, we had an open cab truck that didn't have, had air conditioning with no heater. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the second picture. Yeah. We'll, we'll get Kirsten to throw that up on the socials yeah. too, those pictures. So we can you know, then, you know, we, we hand built our trucks here, we hand built our buildings, then we got to the point where we made a fundamental business decision that we were going to joined the big leagues and we bought our first new truck in 1980 and since then what you see out there has been a progression of teamwork from the members I mean it doesn't matter whether you're the chief or the firefighter it's all a team the chief only represents the team when the when the ship ball rolls downhill that's the first line of defense but it's everybody else underneath you that carries the ball and most people that know me no, I'm here for the people, but not because of the ball. Right. And we've got a, a pretty unique team here. I think we're around 28% girls, and we've got female firefighters here. We have one that's a career firefighter in Halifax. We also have like four or five other girls that were frontline firefighters that were, I'd go anywhere anytime with. So huge change from 40 years ago. Yeah, you know, when, when the girls of the day formed the ladies' auxiliary, made sandwiches and chili and soup. Now there are pump operators, truck drivers, aerial operators, firefighters. It's now a team effort. There's no, there's no gender bias, I guess, yeah. for want of a better term. Everybody's in for whatever they want to be in for, and our mantra here is you can be. You can be all you want to be. Anybody wants to be a truck driver or a firefighter, we'll give you enough rope to get there. <laughs> Provide all the training you need to do yep. whatever you gotta yep. do, right? So I guess that takes us across the table to you because all of a sudden 
that comment something you got to make sure you provide around here? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I've been here 14 years. I moved to Nova Scotia in 2008 from New Brunswick. And oh, that's not why. The, it's not the same in the new accent. It's all over the place. Okay. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same in New Brunswick as it is in Nova Scotia. So when I moved down here, I had a few other hobbies that I was into and the friends that I had those hobbies with kind of were now 3 hours away. So it was like I got to find another hobby and you talked about support staff at home. My wife is fantastic with I got to go to the fire hall, honey, for for an hour and she knows I'm not coming home for at least 5. <laughs> But I kept telling her, I'm going to join the fire hall, going to join the fire hall, going to join the fire hall. Finally, she just passed me the number, just stopped talking about it and just called them. The number's right here. So I picked up the phone and called, and Bob Pryor answered the phone, and I told him my, what I had. I have a track class one license. Oh, we'll get somebody right on that. No more than an hour later, Bill calls me and says, can you come down for a, for a meet? Down to the hall I came, and it's not quite as dramatic as having a house fire, but... Nope. I was like, okay, well, I, I was thinking, oh, I'll be able to clean up some fire hose here and there. You know, the career guys will get all the glory, and I'll just be sitting back. Maybe I'll get to move a truck once in a while. And I walk in the door, and I'm talking to Bill, and he's like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, but jobs are available. And he's like, well, do you want to be a firefighter? And it's like, well, what are the professional guys going to do? He said, I think you're referring to the career guys. We're all professionals. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and, I'm like, oh. and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, okay. And I'm Lesson like, one. <laughs> there are no career guys here. And I'm like, well, what are you going to get me to do? And he's like, we're going to train you to be a firefighter. And I'm like, okay. So I was all in at that time. And then you found out we're all basically janitors and stuff anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I've swept floors. I've <laughs> cleaned trucks and... The passion, I mean, three and a half years in compared to 14 years in is still about the same, the amount of time I spend and just can't seem to get enough of it. Level one, level two certified, fire instructor certified, member of the hazmat team, fire school instructor, training officer for the CFFA. It just seems to be one thing after another after it's another. It's catchy, and, like all, all of a sudden you just want more and more and more and more and more. And that's kind of, everyone's talked about that so far, right? Where it's... 40 years ago, we didn't have really the level one, level two, all of those things. You just trained on what you knew. And then, you know, over the years now, it's progressed to this where you could get this unreal training. It's all certified and, and great. So, all right, we're moving down to the end of the table. So I'm going to say the guy with the best mustache gets to go first. So how are we going to figure this out, fellas? Yeah, so I the reason why I got involved in, in the fire service, I actually... Uh, it was funny, I, I had this story with Peter earlier. I was burning some brush on my parents' property back when I was in elementary school, kind of a independent-style type of guy. And I uh, Let's go back for a second. Were you supposed to be burning this brush, or this was one of these independent decisions? I was, no, I, was, I think I was trying to build like a little camp or something. Ah, uh, okay. Anyways, things got a little bit out of hand. Anyways, I ended up getting my foot caught on a root, and my next-door neighbor actually had to come and help me get out from under this root because I was surrounded essentially by, you know, a small brush fire. So that has always kind of been in the back of my mind that he was a volunteer firefighter. So I always felt like I had a debt to pay to the fire service and the training and how he served the community. Yeah, so when I came of age, 
to join, like my friends were getting involved and I said, you know what, you know, like I have a story here and I want to fulfill that story. And it's just completely evolved from that. Honestly, it's much like everybody else says, you know, it's, it's kind of an addiction and you get started with one thing, you get your training going and you get to see how you can help your community and, it just kind of snowballs from there. So, and you know, I, I owe so much to the fire service now from being a, an 18 year old up right up to today where the fire service is my life. So I have no regrets at all. So inquiring minds want to know what hurt worse, your ankle or the butt whooping you got for the uh, fire? The, the whooping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it came from my grandmother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it hurt your feelings and your butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Right on. Okay, I'm not going to make you two fight over who's got the next best mustache. You can just go, man. Yeah, I guess I always just kind of had an interest in the fire department and whatnot. You see them going from time to time. My father and sister had both been in the the brigade there for, I don't know, a few years at that point. So I figured I'd go down and try it out and kind of ease my way into it. And yeah, kind of went through different levels of training and whatnot, try to get more knowledge. And like Kevin said, you know, trying to figure things out and figure out where you're going to fit in. And yeah, just kind of went with it and cool. yeah. still kicking around. And now it's still kicking around. 17 years later. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of me now. Right. That's right. <laughs> I want a severance package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 75% of nothing. Still yeah. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last but certainly not least around the table. Definitely the best, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so mine's a TV movie, right? My, my dad was in the fire service. I was in a small community called Logieville, which is a New Brunswick community of, I don't know, probably about 450 people, maybe a little more than that at that time. You know, that was in the late 80s or mid-80s. So, I, you know, I started going down there when I was four or five, something like that, and, and mom was in the auxiliary at that time where... You know, women weren't as, as prevalent, obviously, in the in the fire industry. They were more the support role, raising the money for the volunteer departments, things like that. And, uh, yeah, Dad, Dad was deputy chief. I spent tons of time. Every time the pager went off, I got to hang out at the hall, help fill trucks, and do all those kinds of things. So I, I had that interest then, and he retired from there. I moved into Nova Scotia uh, about 16 years ago, and then moved into a little community called Little Dyke, which is just off of Great Village in Great Village's district. And I seen back to Great Village. It, it always comes back to Great Village. That's why it's so And so, yeah, so Great Village, same thing, small community, 500, maybe 600 people in our district. And swinging past the fire hall one day, seen some cars out there and stopped in. And at that time, it was uh, Larry Kinsman was our chief, and he, he had passed away this past year. Took me around, started showing me the trucks. He's like, oh, we're, you know, by the way, we're, we're training tonight at an old hotel that they're tearing down. And he said, why don't you come? So I went there, and uh, now here we are 10, 11 years later. I found my stride as a training officer, uh, along with Jeremy and, and support from the brigade. And listening to Kevin talk about enjoying going into the fires and hauling the hose and, and putting the gear on. I'm the other way. I like, I like seeing the people doing that and helping them achieve that stuff that they want to do. So that's... That's where I am in the fire service. I'm, I'm not so much that I, I need the drive to go in and, and be the person that puts fire up, but I, I really like supporting those people and getting them what they need to, to do what they want to do. Five guy. Yeah, exactly. Nice. You know. Love that. You yeah. have those guys out there all the time, right? Yeah. Look at us. We did a good job. Did you say Laurenville? <laughs> Laurenville. Logieville. Oh, Logieville. Logieville. Yeah. yeah. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres emergency vehicle. 
This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. All right, so we're going to go around again. And sometimes I ask this question, and I love the answer all the time because everyone always thinks like the most crazy call, the most people died, or the most people were trapped, or the worst fire is the one that actually got you into it, right? And so I think yours makes sense. Your house caught on fire, and, and that's a pretty traumatic event, and, and we got you into it. But after that, and then for each one of you, I want you to talk a little bit about the first fire where you were like, now I'm in. And you're not getting me to quit this and you couldn't burn me out of this place. So for me, I'll start. I don't know if I ever shared this before, but I went to a car accident where it's multiple vehicle and there was a dog and all this stuff involved and, and some kids and there was a death. But that's not what got me in. What got me in was these two vehicles and all this action and all this chaos and the police, fire and ambulance and the people that just stopped on the highway. I can remember in my head thinking like, can you imagine you're just driving down the highway and you come across like this level of chaos, right? You know, there was dozens of them and everybody's trying to help and everybody's in. And I think back and be like, I am all in. Like to be a small piece of this big system that happens when this stuff goes down, I'm a young guy and, and I was just like, I'm all in. This is, this is what I'm going to be doing. So that's mine. Right? So we'll go the opposite way. We'll go around this way and say, you know, can you think of that call where you're like, I joined up, I've taken some training, but I've been to this call now and I know I'm in. Well, I have two. One okay. of them is a, a medical call. I'm a, a medical first responder as well as the firefighting stuff and happened to be a neighbor. So at one in the morning or whatever, so I just go right across the road, right? Because I'm close and it seemed dramatic and all at the time and panic and whatever, but Afterwards, I get a, a crayon written letter from the daughter who lived there thanking me, whatever it was. It was good, nice words, you know, and that's like, okay, so I'm helping my neighbor. <laughs> that's why I'm doing this. Great. All in. That's the medical call. No problem with the, the medical call was fine. There was no actual, wasn't a bad call, but it was the response. Knowing that you're helping your neighbor. That, that you're helping, my, yeah. helping your neighbor and they appreciate it. That's great. Another pivotal moment maybe is just it was kind of like a shed fire thing and I'm still new but I knew where to connect the hose you know <laughs> where to go get the spare hose to do something so I actually know something now so I'm, I'm starting to see what's going on here kind of the first time where you didn't feel, didn't feel nervous like a, or, or try to put on someone else's gear because you forget where yours are <laughs> is and all that kind of thing I can actually do something helpful and know enough so nice. I'm learning so and away we go those are the two. Yeah. Uh, those are two awesome ones. All right, next. Yeah, you've had all this time to think about it. I don't think there was ever an incident that made me become all in. I think it was the... Uh, oh, your wife told you. I forgot. That. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was when they said they were going to train me as a firefighter and a medical first responder. I think it was just like, okay, I'm in. That's Good. what I wanted, and, and now it's offered to me. Well, I wasn't expecting it, and that yeah. was what was offered. And, I mean, Nigel can contest to this. I mean, I probably haven't missed a handful or so of 
training nights in the run of 14 years. They're a little nickname for me when I started building my own little medical first responder bag so I could have it in my car in case anything ever went awry when it was close to my home or whenever they needed some spare parts, yeah. whatever. Fire and, service uh, breaks us a bit there, no question. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the nickname? But, you didn't say it. <laughs> it. It's pretty standard. Dr. Barry is what they call me. <laughs> you know, and then uh, the tools. <laughs> yeah. so and then, and then I'm always yeah. looking for that little handy tool to have in the turnout gear and Tool, what was that, Tool Time or whatever, Tool Time, Tim the Tool Man Taylor or whatever, they call me that. They call me a bunch of things, but... Inspector Gadget comes to mind. Inspector Gadget, that, that would be... Go, go Gadget Arm. <laughs> but I was, in the run of a year, you probably would not see me below 250 hours of training time since the day I started in the run of a year. It's yeah. just been... So you just all in and... All in from the day, yeah. And sometimes it gets a little tiring. Sunday's going to be a great day. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Like uh, some of the big events we've we've hosted over the years, and, and I always, you know, you always think that, right? Like can't wait for it to be over because it's so much work. And But actually what will happen on Sunday is you'll be like, oh, now, what do I do now it's over, right? <laughs> like it was great, but it went by so fast, and right? Because like getting ready takes 10 months. It takes 48 hours for it to be over, and then you're like, oh, man, that was, right? So. Some of us and we kind of condensed this one into a five- to six-month period. It was like, oh, CFFA, the executive gave us the go-ahead, and it's like, oh, now we got to get going on this. So, Right on. All right. So are you going to go with the bushfire, or are you going with something else? Well, I think when I joined... It would have been in like the first month or so because I didn't have that much equipment at this point because I was still in that phase where like, oh, is this guy actually going to stay or is he going to leave type of thing? So this would have been back in like maybe 2010 or something like that. And I remember going to a mutual aid call and I didn't have like wildland coveralls or anything like that. So I went to this, there was all these all kinds of fires happening at the same time. And there was like brush fires and shed fires and garage fires and stuff. And it was like kind of like all hands on deck. So as a new member, I probably shouldn't have been thrown into that situation. But literally everybody was there. Like and this was in East Hanch, which is like our neighboring municipality. So I ended up like basically fighting a brush fire with bunker gear on, like bunker pants on. And luckily, because it was back in like 2010, there's not like a bunch of like photos floating around on the internet. <laughs> <of it. laughs> but anyways, I think that day was really kind of the epiphany for me that I'm like, yeah, there's like so much community within this, within the fire service. And like just seeing how everybody came together and it was, you know, there was a mix of like three counties essentially trying to like mitigate these situations, this urban wildland kind of situation. Yeah, I remember like we were there like the whole day and, you know, I spent probably six or seven hours in the woods with bunker pants on. And now like I, th I th see guys and when they're going to brush fires and I'm like, you're not wearing your bunker pants in the woods. So like well, find yeah, something else to wear, <laughs> find something else to wear. But yeah, no, that was the day for me was that I said, yeah, this is where I want to be. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know if there was really any one <clears throat> event that I can really think of. It's just kind of a progression, I guess. Things over, over time seem to buy into it a little. One that is kind of standing out that was kind of in the earlier days is uh, you had mentioned the car accident one. With yourself there, we had a rollover on the Cobb Pass. 
pretty hectic scenario. A lot of people around and whatnot. It was really interesting to see afterwards, like how you can kind of bring some order to chaos. That one kind of stands out to me after you get there and start to get things rolling and helping people and whatnot. That's one that kind of stands out, but overall, I think it's just a progression over the different calls and whatnot and, and experiences. And as we mentioned there before, is you know, the teamwork and camaraderie with the whole thing. Like, it's really good to organization to be involved with. Yeah, yes, for me, I'm, I'm kind of like Jared. There's no single incident that kept me involved or, or made me more involved in the in the fire service. But it's funny, we've been debating this question a little bit. So Ange, my partner, she's a firefighter in MFR and an RM by profession as well in, the, in our fire brigade. And we're actively trying to bring mem- new members into our brigade, like, like everyone else, we're struggling to keep a, a good count of people. And we've had these discussions of like, you know, what drives people to stay? We'll have people and they'll come for a week or two or three and then we'll move on. And, you know, why? Why is that happening? And, and you know, we talk a lot about that feeling when you walk into, whether it be from a medical or, you know, Kevin talking about his fire, that you're that person that like just calms the situation when you walk in. So, I mean, you particularly you really see the medicals because you're. You're so up close and personal with the person when you walk in that when you walk in, you can literally see the breath just calm on them, right? Just And, you know, we were talking earlier how sometimes you walk into something, I have no idea what I'm doing, but yet they think I do. So it just brings the whole situation down 100%. It's a pretty cool feeling to be that person when you, when you walk in those rooms. So we were talking about how do we give people that experience to say, hey, this is what you're doing for your community. You're, you're bringing the anxiety down. You're helping. You, you don't have to know everything in the fire service to be really contributing to it. So, so for me, I guess that's it. You know, that's what keeps me going and, and things like that is being able to do that for the community and the people in it. Nice. That's deep, man. Yeah. That's thank deep, you. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty deep. Fella. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. 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 <laughs> has like 10 more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think this organization here has always been busy. So there's always something to do. I wouldn't, I kind of like some of the other people around their table here, I wouldn't say there's one call that said, okay, I'm in, I'm out. But there's always been this workload of things to do that's always kept people engaged. And I think that's probably what keeps people in. If you keep people engaged, they're more likely to stay. I think for myself, it's just, I've always been the kind of person, if you're in something, you're in it. So have there been days you kind of wonder like, oh, shit, do I want to do this any longer? Some days, yeah, there. everybody has those. I don't. That's not human if you don't. But you circle back to the fact that you are here to, when somebody's having a bad day, the opinion when everybody else is running the other way and you go, oh, cool, I want to go see what's going on. It's obviously, that's the thing that drives a lot of us. We're obviously, we're the people that thrive on other people's demise. That's a kind of a sick, twisted way to be, but yeah, that's the way we are. It is what it is. Right? It is what yeah. it is. So yeah. They're going to have the bad day whether we're there to help or not. Yeah. So it's just good to be there and Exactly. Help. You know, they're having a bad day. We want to see why and we want to figure out how we can mitigate that or make it better for them. And quite often it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but we'll give it the best effort we can with what we have to work with. And, you know, that's what we do. Kevin, I'm going to let you roll the dice. You could just answer the question everyone else has, or you can answer a new question I just thought up of. You get to pick. 
You want to just answer the question everyone else did, or do you want the new question? Well, I, I, we know why he's, he's all in. I'll talk all day long. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of stories. So, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what I what I just thought of, what I really want to know from you is how you felt the first time. So you joined the fire department after your house caught on fire. You did all this training. I want to know how you felt the first time you went to a house fire where you were part of that awesome system that you saw that. Right, so I want to I want to hear about your first house fire as an actual firefighter. Well, my first fire was was not a house fire; it was a tire fire. But I remember one of my very first conversations with Barrett, and he had asked me, he says like, "So, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to be exterior? Do you want to be interior?" And I was like, "Oh, hell no! I want to go in that building. That's what I want to do. I'm not going to stand outside. I want to go in. I want to be that guy because I've I'm always been left to center. So that to me fits my personality perfect. So my first fire." was a mutual aid brigade. I won't mention any names at the end of the table, but we got called to a tire fire and it was my very first one, I believe. And showed up and I'm in, I don't know, probably outdated bunker gear in the whole nine yards. It was way before I had my own bunker gear or whatever and show up. So the guy said to me, I think it was Joe, our, our deputy chief now. So they wanted to get me some nozzle time. So no problem. So I get down there and I'm right in and got my BA on and, and I'm uh, on the end of the hose and get on the nozzle and the hose starts, you know, it's, they charge the line and then it dies. So then one of our captains is behind me here and next thing I know, the, they charge the hose again and the hose sets me right on my ass. And like I'm, I get up and, and our captain behind me, who's supposed to be my sport guy, is just laughing his butt off, right? I'm on the ground in, gray, in black water and soot and all kinds of crap. And anyway, I get up and I'm like, what now? I'm cursing and swearing. I get back up and I jump back on the nozzle again, hit the fire again with the with the hose, and then it dies. And then immediately it charges again. Well, I'm back on my butt again. This is the second time. Now I'm angry. Now I'm angry. And these guys are all just laughing at me, right? They're just like, it's because they love you. Well, I, I, you know, I wasn't sure. It's, oh, it's the new guy. Let's put 120 pounds through the line and see how he hangs on to it, right? So anyway, so I finally get back up again and I go up and I'm, I'm mad and, and I'm like, I'm not going to let this defeat me. I went back down for a third time and I got set on my ass a third time, but I stayed the course. And it was that moment where I figured this is what I'm going to do. Oh, it was that very moment. When was your first house fire though? It was probably mutual aid too, wasn't it? Whenever you brought him in? Yeah, probably out in DeBert. It was the DeBert one because that was my first interior with you. Jeremy took me into my first interior fire. That was the one up by the old barn hills. Yeah, I wasn't there for that one. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. They will become faded memories. Yeah. I can't remember my first fire. <laughs> but <it> was, <laughs> yeah, but it was like, I, I wasn't going to let it defeat me because that, and my first year in the fire service was, was pretty tough because our old chief, God rest his soul, he was very hard on everybody. And, and I get it now because it's like, he wanted to see if you stick around. Because I'm sure, as, as Barrett and Jeremy can attest to, you get people that join the fire service and they leave very quickly. And it's not for everybody. You guys all know, you guys know better than I would, it's not an easy thing. So you have to kind of you know, be tough on people to make sure that they can handle it. So I stuck it through because I wasn't gonna let it, I wanted it so bad that I wasn't gonna let anything deter me from it. And I stuck with it and... Yeah, we probably should have tried harder. You probably should have tried harder, yeah. Yeah, now I just drive them all crazy. Now you're in. Yeah, now it's, now it's like a gang. You got to get jumped in and jumped out. Right? Not far off. Right on, right on. Let's, uh, I think we pried both answers out of you there, so thanks for that. That was yeah. awesome. 
So, you know, I'm down here for a reason. I was out in Nova Scotia doing some talking and we'd been talking along the line and, and some of you got to come and see, see me talk. And I don't really understand that. You saw me talk and you still want me to come talk. But so anyways, tricked you. And, 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 and but, but, the awesome, but the awesome part of this for me was talking about mutual aid and, and going together. And so at Supper, we were talking about the 17 fire departments and the two other parts of the organization, the Hazmat and the, and the Ground Search and Rescue that make this all up. And so I love that. I'm a big regional guy and, and I love all that. But as soon as I kind of started talking about would I be willing to come out and how would we figure that all out, you were nice enough to send me a survey that you'd done. And so I want to talk a little bit about this survey because I think that's one of the key reasons why I'm here is because I really am, well, I'm proud of the work that you've done so far and I'm excited about the work you've done so far and, and I can't wait to see how it all turns out. Because when I was reading this survey, I'll tell you, like I've tons of like monkey survey or whatever, there's 10, 12 questions. This thing is, I don't remember how many pages it is. It takes a long time to read. 24 page report. Thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So for all the listeners, you know me. So I, it probably took me four weeks. But anyways, I got through the whole thing and it was so detailed and, and it, it really painted a picture of where things kind of had been, where things are progressing. And you have to read through some of the lines to get to all that. But for me, it was really good to be like, man, you asked people what they wanted. Right? They trusted you enough to give you real feedback, and then you acted on that feedback. Right? So a lot of places in the fire service, we're used to, well, we tell you what you want, and then you do, you know, if we said white, you do black. Or if we said, well, let's try gray, you pick purple, or whatever. This is not that. This is where like, we actually ask people, we listen to what you said, we went through it, and as a group, have started to make these changes. And so I want to talk a little bit about the mutual aid training and the survey, and actually what's happening this weekend. And so I don't know who wants to start, but... I think I would like to tackle that. <laughs> and the reason is, is 16 months ago, we had new elections. Uh, Nigel went in as president. Another member that's not able to make it here tonight is he went in as vice president. Brent and I jumped in on it as myself as a training officer, Brent as the communications. And we knew there was a need or, or a question that needed to be answered. And we had full support of the executive in regards to trying to find the answers. And we started talking, and then with different members around this table, as well as members that aren't here of the Colchester Firefighter Association and different members from different fire halls, well, let's, let's find out what they want. Let's talk about, let's get a survey done. So we talked about a survey. We had just gotten Google Suites so we could get that information out. Now it's like, okay, we want to do a survey. What do we ask them? First, got to find out who they are, find out what they have, and then find out what they want. So we put that together, and it took some work to get that put together and get that out. I think we put it out in May of last year, so about four, four months, four or five months after we started. And it's just taken off from there in regards to the, the information that we receive from it is, okay, they want this let's give them that they want this to be changed let's adjust that but it just it kind of took off we had a few of our local merchants that donated some prizes so if you wanted to you could put your name and everything in there and we'll draw your name 
to get them to do it. Wait a minute, you bribed firefighters to fill in the survey? <laughs> we didn't bribe didn't all of them. Food. That's the new part. Food. Oh, yeah. We need something else. There was McDonald's, <laughs> gas cards. Oh, so I'm trying to remember. So yeah. there's food, gas, yeah. and, nice. and Frankie Gino's. Yeah, so yeah. there's food, food, <laughs> gas. So. No, but it was, it was a great way to get some information to gauge where we have to go. And we're moving forward with it. And we have the executive, we have the communications committee, we have now and then this year we have a new member looking after his secretary that's passionate about it, Peter, mm. Steve that was with us tonight earlier, couldn't make it here tonight for this, but he's passionate about it. So we have those people that are engaged. And if we have those people that are engaged, then we can get that information out that we're going to do something. We have adjusted our level one training. We've added other training that normally other departments couldn't get because they can only get two or three people to take the course. Now they can put one or two people on the course. Pump ops, things like that. I don't want to pump your tires too hard because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I got to tell you, like I get the, I have the great honor of getting to travel across North America and, and talk to firefighters and see fire halls and, and do all of this stuff. And I will like, without a doubt, tell you that when I read that survey, I was like, game changer. This is a game changer, right? And so I don't know how much we're going to be able to share with all the listeners, and, and we'll talk about that some more after we get through the next couple of tough days here. But I think that that upfront thinking and that coming at it from a new way, right? And maybe you didn't even understand that it was a whole new way that you were thinking of to come at this problem, but it really is, and it really was. And the survey, it's just great, right? And I've always been a huge fan of the mutual aid system and the automatic aid system that you have here in Nova Scotia. Nothing I love more than to wake up in the morning and see that, you know, nine fire departments have been working together on a problem out here, or seven fire departments have been. A lot of places in Canada, that's just, you're not gonna hear that. And so it's huge for us to see that and for that to be out there and for you to be able to share that on social media and not in a weird way like it never comes across like oh look at their bragging in Nova Scotia again it just comes across it's always that like we're so happy that all of these fire departments could come out and this was an engine tender or whatever it's always like in that proud moment they're doing the social media and you know they've been at a fire all night and they're going to get this out there so that when other people wake up later today they'll be able to be like, oh yeah, that's cool. Remember that fire? We all helped out and that was great. The mutual aid thing's so cool. Like, I mean, even talking to Nigel, when we did the training here, it's like, well, why, why don't you call us out for this? Why don't and we did a time trial of how long it took for the the aerial to get out to our district. And it was, it was literally quicker than our closest brigade by kilometer, right? For some of those things. And, and we're actually pushing to have more mutual aid and more help and, and be able to work together that way, which is, is so cool. Yeah, and there's like there's a lot of fire departments out here, you know, but it helps. You see the numbers, right? Like yeah. you, you know, how, who can get nine tenders together? Out in Canada, I'm telling you, the rest of it, it's not as easy as you guys make it look to get nine tenders together and set up a big water shuttle and, and have everyone get along. And, you know, you just can't fake it because I'll look at all the different pages of all the different fire departments and see everybody loved it. Everybody was willing to help out everybody. And it might... I sent two people in a tender and that's all we did. But that was still a big thing for the people that needed that tender and that fire that needed to have that water. So I'm so excited to be out here. I'm, I'm happy to be part of this and to have seen that survey and, and to share that. When I travel around, right, I talk a lot about what you've done here. And for me, that's, if we don't learn from each other, how are we gonna learn what to do better and what to do different? And, and when somebody thinks of something new, right, 
the number one thing that we can do to get the fire service going in a better direction is to be like, hey, that was a great idea. Let's just call it what it was, right? And let's see if we can't use some of those ideas to move it forward. And so when we have these new guys that are starting, and they're like, I got to get all the training and I want to be part of this to harness that energy, right? You don't know how many training committees I go to around the country. And, you know, to have people with three or four years on a training committee is unheard of, right? But those new ideas, that new drive, combined with everybody else, like we went around the table, right? The years are, were from three or four years all the way to 40 years. And everybody's got a different number and everybody's here for a different reason. And to me, that's just, that's the fire service and that's what makes it great. And that's what really pushes it forward because we don't want to forget anything that 40 years has had to teach him. But we don't want to lose that a three or four year person looks at it differently. And the training is completely different. When I first started, we talked about this at supper and some of you were like, we were the first ones to have that certified training in our fire service ever. And I can tell you, I was where I was too in 1991. I was the first one to finish all of the courses to get my 1001. And uh, I couldn't figure out why everyone didn't want to do that, right? And back then it was awesome. They sent us to school, they paid you to travel, they paid for the rooms and everything short of paying for the beer, right? So it was awesome. Why wouldn't everyone want to go? But they just didn't. And now today, everybody wants that certified training and they want to, even if they have no, you know, they're not going to go be a career firefighter. They don't have to have the certification, but they still want it, right? They still want to know that information and be able to say, hey, I got all this training. And so thank you. Thank you for doing this. And, and thank you for having me out. And, and thank you for letting me be part of it. And don't be all shocked when I start sending people your way <laughs> uh, <laughs> to ask you questions about this and, and to do that. And I mean, this, these podcasts, that's what it drives, right? It's like, hey, there's a new idea out there. Where am I going to look this up? Where am I going to find this? And that's, that's a good point, Jamie, because I know when we do a lot of the mutual aid training, we've done it with the BERT, we've done it with Bass River, where they set up our scenario and they don't tell us what we're going into. So we're going in completely blind. They set it all up. And it's a real active situation, right? And then we debrief afterwards. And that, I think, has really progressed our training with our mutual aid partners and setting it up that way. And we reverse those roles, too, a lot of times. Well, and that realism is awesome, right? Absolutely. You can fake a certain amount of things in firefighting, but other parts are hard. And to not have to set it up yourself, but to have to react to it. And then to be able to sit there and take the pats on the back, but also the criticism that goes with it to say, hey, you did this and this, and that was great but what about this or how could we fix this or how could we do that? And, and so those kinds of scenarios and that kind of mutual aid level, it's pretty incredible. And I think that, you know, the rest of Canada should pay attention to what's going on. You know, getting rid of those turf wars, getting rid of those boundaries, getting rid of those problems is a, is a big thing for the fire service. Yeah, it was so huge. Like, so Peter and I, we've known each other just Maybe since, a little over a year, a little less than a year. Less than a year now, yeah. still May or something. I remember how we connected initially, but we started having this conversation about training, him being him being new to the fire service and me being passionate about the training side of it and got Jeremy involved and in feedback and and we had this whole conversation about training and, and Peter invited me to a, a training committee meeting at the at the DeBert Hall and I think you yeah. Jeremy joined me and yeah. he's sitting around kinda of talking about issues and problems <laughs> we're having to get this that done and you know, I kind of rose my hand and I'm like, I hate to see that you're having these problems, but I'm so happy to see you're having the exact same ones, right? And we kind of ran with it from there to like start doing some trainings together because it was something we we're really lacking out in, in our end of 
Colchester, maybe possibly across Colchester, I don't know. But certainly in our end, doing mutual aid type trainings. And we set a goal when the three of us met was like, let's get to the point where people are asking to train with us. Like they're seeing what we're posting on social media. They're seeing the camaraderie. They're, you know, they're seeing the aerial truck sitting in Great Village and get people to actually come and want to do it with us and instead of us hounding people to come out and train. And I mean, fast forward 10 months or whatever, we brought up the, the simple thing of like, oh, we, we had a training house. It's like, oh, let's do some ventilation. And so I reached out to Jeff and said, Jeff, we're doing some ventilation. What do you think about coming out and just speaking? talking about ventilation where you do level one things like that he's like well let me talk to nigel and we'll get the aerial and then it ballooned to this massive thing that was like okay <laughs> you know it sounds amazing but we're gonna have to organize this now but it, it ballooned so quick and so nice how much rope do you want yeah right and then it came and i mean i would arrogantly say if you ask anybody that was at that training it was an amazing day they had so much fun we not only did we come to, to Valley's department here and we did the pre-training here, then we all went out to the Great Village and you know some of our crew in Great Village had a meal, so we all got to sit down and kind of chat about what happened at the, the Valley Hall. And then, okay, we're all done eating and we're, we're fat and happy and let's head out to the, the training house and, and spent hours out there at the training house and no one was in any rush to get out of there. And we everybody got to go on the aerial and that do work the, off it. That would be the Great Valley Hall. <laughs> yeah. yeah so with the mutual aid it's one of those things that people all stay in their little box and not not think of asking hey, what kind of problems are you having that maybe we can get through together right so well, when you yeah. called me i was like okay well what what do you have to go on the roof what what experience do you have well i don't know like so let's bring them in use the roof trainer get them up so they're not off the ground practice using the chainsaw and Nigel does the training for us in the CFFA for our level one training so that's why I reached out to him we were able to set that up we were doing a little aerial operation a little bit of ladder work so we did everything that we needed to do in a safe environment first before we went to a house and started throwing ladders and starting to get on the roof it's like okay let's practice how we're going to do this let's Let's run through this first before we go. just jump right into it. It's no different than when we do the level one. It's okay, let's put them in a black room. Then let's put them in a little bit of fake smoke. And then let's give them the real thing in the burnt house before you go down to get your fire control. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely. And my takeaway from it was like, and I said it tonight at the table with Nigel, like when in history have all those brigades been together in those many numbers? I mean, in level one, you'll have one or two of each brigade or whatever. But in those numbers we had all sitting in our hall or all out here or all at the training house, I mean, in the 10, 11 years I was in the fire service, it, it had never happened. Maybe in a dark tournament 30 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but yeah. Nobody remembers those. Yeah. Yeah. But for a training event of for just mutual aid people, mutual aid departments getting together, like you said, when was the last time that that would have happened? Probably. Yeah. And, and I really think there's a thirst for it. It's just about getting it out there in a way that, people want to, that they feel comfortable to want to do it. Well, I mean, Brookfield, you guys down there, Brent, you guys are working with Stuyak and Upper Stuyak doing the same thing in Hilden, getting those, those what we call the core four of your mutual aid departments. I don't know how that stuck, but we started saying it and it just seems to be working. But working with your core four agencies and it's starting to spread out and really becoming almost on norm. You know what's in funny about that is is now we're starting to see other brigades in other counties like Cumberland. They're doing a lot more mutual aid training now based on what we're posting on our social media platforms. You know you're, what I you're mean? You're inspiring me right now. I'm like, like, while you're talking, this is bad to say, but while you're talking, I'm thinking about how we could do better where I'm from. 
right? I'm thinking about how we could do better at places that I'm going to be talking at in the next uh, week, we, month. We year, could contract right? us out more. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, 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 you guys got to start flying around. We'll yeah. Well, and it's, I think there's another point to that too is there's no egos like within this. Is it's based copy. on what I've found. It's copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I think everybody has the same goal, the same mission. We all want to get better. We all want to improve. We're all going to end up on the fire scene together at some point. So I think that that's been a huge benefit, and 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 that's you know Jeremy and Peter and Nigel and 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 everybody that's jumped in on the mutual aid bandwagon and it's created this great big. I didn't like, but that's the that's the passion that's coming out like that fourth thing that progressiveness right. Yeah. Some of our individuals still need to grasp that progressiveness. We're really lucky in the area. But there's still a few more that need to come around the band, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but I think it's one of those things you're either going to hop on the train or you're going to be left behind. Yep. Eventually, you got to join, right? Yep. I didn't like seeing just the other firefighters, mutual aid guys, only on the fire ground. I wanted to get to know them <laughs> in training. You get to actually know who these people are. You're going to see them at 3 in the morning in some ridiculous know thing. Know their names, not because you it on their so shirts. Oh, I, know, I know Dan, I know Blaine, I know this guy. That's good. I can talk to them, and we can... So we train with them more, and we know we're comfortable, and we're friendly, and it just makes it easier. To quote a young lady that was on our show last year, and I know she didn't make this up, she got it from somewhere else, I was asking them what quotes they love, and, and she said the one that she liked the best was, uh, rising tide rises all shifts. And that's really what you're talking about, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And yeah. I've used that since yeah. she's talked to me about it, it's one of my favorite sayings, and, and so if each one of you is doing better by working together, and starting to move it all together, you're all getting better at the same time. So that you know that serves you all better, that serves your communities better, and, and it serves the fire service better. And so at the end of the day, that's why I'm excited to be here, and that's why we're talking about this stuff, is you found a new way to raise all the ships. So congrats on that, and can't wait to see how it all works out next couple days here. So. Thank you all for being here. I know I kept you out super late. Hopefully that uh, none of you get beat when you get home, but it's uh, always awesome to have you together. It's always awesome to be talking about all this growing up fire stuff. So thank you very much for having me out and it's uh, been a great podcast. Great. Thanks, well, thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.